And so the food scene needed somebody to talk about. And here I was the anti-chef. I was some guy at no restaurant experience and I'm selling freaking sandwiches. But we were number one on Yelp out of all restaurants in San Francisco, a very famous food city. We are live here in Pancom Podcast Studios with your show host, Mike Beltran, and the furry ball tickler man himself, Nicolas Jimenez. I just want to know that that's not what live means. Or not I know. Live at all. Let me just have my fucking moment, man. We can Instagram it live right now. Oh, man. Instagram oh, there you go. live. We haven't oh. done that since the pandemic, right? I'm not into it. I mean, no, people are into can. it, though. People were into it. They were chiming in, saying all kinds of ridiculous they'll, things. They'll, they'll come up with some amazing questions, I'm sure. Nah, I don't know if you know our audience. Guys, well, I love I, you. My audience, at yeah, least. That's good. My that's audience good. actually likes me. We're trying to introduce your audience into mine. That's what it is. <laughs> this, 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 we're trying to get your audience of people who like you to get sucked into all the audience <laughs> yeah, of people who okay. hate Mike. Dude, you know, uh, I was talking to uh, my buddy who plays in the NBA about haters. And the thing is, with haters, is you have to have them. If you have zero haters, you suck. Well, I think if you if everyone agrees with you, then you're really just kind of going along with the tide instead of trying to go up against something and stand for something. That's always been my thought process. <sighs> Nick, tell everyone why we're here. Hold on, I'm gonna. I actually uh, can I do a live or is sure? That, yeah. Of course you can. Oh man, there's all kinds of stuff. So going many things here. happening. Here. I mean, so much. This is uh, the shit show has begun. Yeah, super into it. Um, here on Punk on Podcast Intermission. Do, 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 there's no, there's no, do, no, no time do, for do, intermission. <laughs> this is Punk on Podcast. I'm Nicky Menez, and I am joined as usual by 2021 Star Chefs, Rising Star Chef, and oh. I have it on good authority. The Bruce Springsteen oh, man. of food? Is that what it was? Of food? Of Miami dining. Of Miami dining. That's what Norman said. I'll take it. Norman Van Aken. Uh, yeah. I, the most interesting thing about that to me, if somebody called me the Bruce Springsteen of anything, I'd, I'd be like, what does that mean? That means that you're awesome. I guess. Yeah. yeah. That you're awesome, that you're great, and that you dance in the dark. <laughs> that's what it is, you dance in the dark. That's what that's the we'll change the name of the podcast to Dance in the Dance Dark in the with dark. Michael Beltran. Oh no, we would definitely get a season to this. Oh that one. man, yeah, that's what we're all about here. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we are joined also by this episode's special guest, Ike Shahada. Did I say that right? By the way, yeah, you nailed it. I'm really you're, you're that, that's the for the first try. Hell yeah! And you didn't even ask. It should, can I do it better? No. Oh, okay. Um, no, because I thought you were saying for the first yes. try. Like, I but was, anyways. No, anyway. I mean, normally people like say it and then they say it wrong and then they. What do they usually go to me? first? Yeah. Like, how do they how do they fuck it up? Shahida or. Shahida. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to, and I'm sure that you get a little bit of this in California, but the Cubans saying Shahada. If you're, if you're going to be here often, you're in for a whole new world. Shahada. Chada. <laughs> Chadito. Oh, man. I'll take it. Yeah, the Cubans, as long as they're eating the sandwiches. There you I'm, go. You know. Right. That's usually how I'm. If you're if you're butchering my last name, but you're still eating all my food, that's totally okay with me. That is a good segue into an explanation of who Ike Shahada is. Ike <laughs> Shahada is the founder of Ike's Love and Sandwiches. So the Cubans won't just be coming for your sandwiches. They'll be coming for your love. Oh, man. Oh, the, the love, yes. <laughs> Uh, so, if you're not familiar with that name, it might be because 
you mentioned that, uh, what is it, about two-thirds to three-quarters of your 80-some-odd stores are in California. Yes. So if you're outside of California, you might not have heard of this, but it uh, seems like you're about to start hearing about it a little more. In COVID, right, you guys opened um, a new franchise-owned store in Aventura, so the Aventura area of Miami, uh, and presumably more to come. I know you, we were just talking a little bit about the expansion. I'll leave further discussion of that to uh, to Mike. Um, and finally, uh, I will note that, because I forgot to give them a little shout-out the last time, uh, thanks very brief. They're not a sponsor, but we got hooked up with some cigars by Aganorsa Leaf. Oh, nice. Yeah. We're smoking Guardian of the Farm. Thanks to Aganorsa. Wow. That's all you get. Don't what talk a, about them anymore. They got to pay for it. What a name. Guardi- Guardian of the Guardian farm. of the Farm is a reference, and you see it on the band, to the bulldog on the farm. I've met the Guardian of the Farm. I just love I mean, that, it's that such that an dog intense is, name. Like, I want to meet this dog. That dog I, is Guardian I feel, nothing. I feel, <laughs> <laughs> I've met this dog. I feel like. I feel like this could be like a mini series or a comic book, Guardian yeah. of the Farm. That like dog, maybe like a late night. If that dog was hanging out with Petey, that dog would be like, "You're moving too fast, bro." Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Pete, where? You didn't I didn't bring him. I didn't bring him today. I'm out of here. I know. <laughs> Petey, oh. my dog, is usually around, but this time, this time he got left. Got to snuggle. Thanks to our sponsor, Estrella Dam. The beer brand has brought its month-long Estrella Dam Culinary Journey Program, which is running April 1 through April 30th, 2021, at more than 40 participating restaurants all over Miami, each offering gastronomic experiences curated by chefs and paired with Estrella Dam, the beer of Barcelona. I recommend going to maybe Cafe Cush, maybe Cafe La Trova, all the cafes, do all the cafes, have the Estrella Dam culinary journey, have a beer, enjoy it. This time around, sharing your Estrella Dam culinary journey experience on Instagram could win you a two-night stay for two at Little Palm Island Resort in the Florida Keys. Nick, tell them what they'll get. You'll get a two-night stay in luxury accommodations for two, daily breakfast for two, five-course chef-tasting experience for two, one additional dinner experience for two, and complimentary resort recreation, including kayaking paddleboarding, Boston Whalers, and Hobie Cat. All you got to do is take a picture, post a hashtag, and look at all the things you get. This is it. You've made it. Here's how it works. First, snap a picture of your meal together with your Estrella Dam and post it on Instagram between April 1st and April 30th. Second, tag the restaurant and include hashtag Estrella Dam Journey in the caption. That's it. The more photos you upload, the more chances you have to win. For more information about participating restaurants and details on Vacation Giveaway, visit EstrellaDamJourney.com. While you're at it, follow EstrellaDam on Instagram at, you guessed it, EstrellaDam. That's with two M's. Two M's, everyone. Mike, what's up, man? What's up? That's... What an what an intro by Nick. He always does all the things right, and I and I just now I enter in to fuck it all up. But well, he forgot to say Steve Jobs' sandwiches. But I know I'll I was referred to as the Bruce Springsteen of Miami dining, which I swear I'm going to put on my tombstone whenever that day happens. And someone referred to you once as the Steve Jobs of sandwiches. Yeah, that's I mean that's nice. So it's basically the boss and yeah. the Jobs. Yeah, I love that. Can you, can you, I want to understand how someone who has 82 stores of anything is just sitting in front of me, just very relaxed. You look so relaxed. Are you, are you relaxed? I have almost zero 
cares in the world. I'm just wow. chilling. Yeah. Wow, man. It's it's called delegation. Yeah, no, I I do a lot of delegating, but may, maybe I need to work on more. Um, tell me how this all started. Tell me where you're from, the whole thing, how you got into sandwiches to begin with, and the first store. Well, so let's see. I started 2007, Halloween in San Francisco, basically because I wanted to do something that I love to do. Hmm. So I made a list, which was my list was snuggling animals, okay. going on dates, eating. Nice. Feeding people, uh, hanging out with friends. I, I wrote out about 37, 38 things on this list. And uh, putting the list together, I realized, well, I, I should probably open up a restaurant. That's kind of how it started. Uh, now, as you know, you, you've got a bunch of restaurants. It's, it's not that easy. Right. Though, for me, ignorance was bliss. Yeah. So I just made, a li- made another list. Like, what do I think I need to do to open up a sandwich place? Googled everything and then opened up like less than a year later with uh, 70K, a loan from my mom. And here I was uh, selling sandwiches and coffee and ice cream in the middle of San Francisco. Where in San Francisco? This was the Castro District, so 16th and Sanchez. Unfortunately, the first location's not there anymore. Oh, that's We true. got kicked out a bunch of times. Oh, you did? Uh, for well, The first location it was 400 square feet. Oh, and wow. we were doing about three million bucks out of four hundred square feet. Shut the fuck. Exactly. Up. So the city was like, get the hell feet? out of here. Yeah, you're doing three million bucks out of four hundred square yeah. feet. Yeah, in the by year two, we were doing over a thousand people a day. Whoa. whoa. Let's um just and not to. I think because it's a very unique model, right? It's not. Yeah. It's not a uh, as uh, straightforward as what people may think of with like a subway or a Quiznos or something. It's some absurdly long menu. Like, there's all kinds of weird shit. Uh, and oh, I'd, yeah. I'd love to get into some of that to give people context for, like, what exactly this business is that's doing $3 million out of 400 square feet. Yeah, so tell us more about the actual concept. When you developed the concept in your brain, that first time that you wrote things down, what were some of the thoughts that you had that went into the first store and the first menu? So the first menu, the ideas I had, well, well, first of all, because I never had a restaurant before and I hadn't at the time worked at a restaurant in my life, I didn't know that coming up with this vast menu was what not to do. Problematic. Yeah. I didn't know that. So for me, it was, okay, what do I love to eat? And I started making, in, in, in a sandwich form, I just started making a list. This is a good combo and this is a good <laughs> combo. And initially, I, I wrote out uh, a menu of 25 sandwiches. And then 10 vegetarian sandwiches, because got to love the veggies. And then I was like, okay, vegans, yeah, they need some love too. So I had two vegan men, two um, ve- vegan items. Then I made a breakfast menu, because I wanted to be open from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. Added the coffee, ice cream, milkshakes, created these crazy flavored drinks, uh, salads. And my menu started with over 50 items. Like imagine never opening up a restaurant, and then the first day it was just these 50 items. Now looking back upon it, I mean, people would be like, why would you open up a restaurant with 50 menu items? And I didn't know. I just knew that these items were going to taste good, and so I just put them on my menu. Uh, and that was basically the whole entire like thought process, is I love teriyaki and wasabi, so I'm going to make a sandwich with that chicken and cheese. And then, I, I, well, we got to have a basic BLT. We have to do... Uh, a pastrami sandwich, etc. And just went down the line, like, what do I need to have? I had burgers. And I was like, well, what if you don't eat meat? I got a salmon burger. Okay, what if you're vegan? I got a garden burger. All these things. And uh, it turned out to be 
like the weakness became the strength because then all of a sudden people started coming in and thinking, you put honey on a sandwich? All right. You can make a sandwich that tastes like a, a chicken Caesar salad but put it in a sandwich and then toast it on garlic bread? Yeah, I'm in for that. And we started naming them cool names. Uh, name the one with the artichoke hearts on it and Caesar dressing, the backstabber. <laughs> we had a sandwich called the ex-boyfriend. We had a sandwich called the ex-girlfriend. Mm. And the whole like whimsicalness and creativity in the menu. Like, I mean, I'm looking at your stuff. Like, that's pretty unique and interesting. But just imagine that as in the sandwich game. And people aren't doing that. There's the yeah. basic ass sandwich places almost yeah, yeah. anywhere you go. Yeah, I mean, and it's not the same, but I, I understand. Because, like, when we opened up Chugs as the pop-up the first time, all of our sandwiches were riffs on classics but just my my way and it was you know for all the people that loved it there was a lot of people that were like no and i was like no nah. i mean I, I wanted something that was different and interesting and cool we definitely didn't have 50 items and we were 600 square feet and i thought that we had 34 items at our peak and i thought that oh. i was like really pushing it um well a great job there i'm gonna have to eat your sandwiches yeah well we're closed right now we're renovating but it's gonna be when you you know when we open you definitely come and uh We'll have some of those bangers that were there before on the menu again. But, I mean, so then since you had never done it before, how was the first, like, how was that unraveling at the beginning of opening a restaurant and then learning how to do it at the same time? So the learning of it on the fly was probably the most useful thing, like, as I'm looking back upon it, because I didn't have something to compare it to and, like, what not to do. Immediately, I went to like whenever there was a deficiency in sales, which was basically the first day. I didn't sell anything on the first day. Didn't even sell a bottle of water. And this is Halloween in San Francisco, and I didn't sell. How's that? Shit. How's Halloween in San Francisco? I've never been there for that. Uh, well, in the neighborhood that we were in, that Ike's, uh, the first Ike's was in, and they would close down the streets, and like a hundred thousand people would show up. Oh shit! To this block party or several blocks party, obviously. Now the year before, unfortunately, there was some violence there, so the the police and the city wanted to deter gathering there. So they didn't even close up the streets, uh, which which also contributed to the fact that we didn't sell anything is because they didn't want people to be there at night. Right. Though, like with most cities, like it's a it's a part of town where people like to go out to eat. And it was Halloween, so a night where people were going to go out. And to have zero sales, like I pushed myself to make sure I was open on Halloween, specifically because I wanted eyeballs on the place. <clears throat> right. And then when literally nobody came in, it was, I was like, damn, I got to rethink my plan. Sure. And after a bout of like, holy crap, I messed up and I, dude, what am I doing? And depression or, or a shock more so, I went back in the, the next day, which was a week later because it was bullshit. I didn't sell anything on the first day to me. And I was like immediately, okay, I got to do something different. And so that thought of what can I do to attract more business, put more, like what more value I can bring straight from the beginning instead of going, okay, well, my marketing is off. Or I just immediately went to, oh, I need more sandwiches. I need better service. I need more creativity. I put on like the most fitting shirt I had instead of, and I was pretty swole and I would just go out there. I'm like, hey, can I buy you lunch? And just like flirted with every single person that walked by. Like, I don't care what you were into or not into, I just look you in your eyes and like, let me buy you lunch, baby. <laughs> uh, and every single person that walked by, and nine people let me uh, make them a sandwich the second day. That's cool. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the. I think the one thing I've learned is that um, staying the course, you know, and not like getting. If just because it doesn't maybe work the first day and uh, nobody shows up the first day, it doesn't mean that they're not going to show up the second day or the third day. And then when they show up the second or third day, if you're good that second or third day, they'll show up on the fifth day or the sixth day, especially like something like sandwiches, which is something that people can have every single day. Um, yeah. At least I can. Um, you know, people usually like, oh, is, is this wrong? Is the menu wrong? And sometimes, you know, it is wrong. Sometimes it's not good. But if it is good and you believe in it, the more you, the longer you stay the course, I think the better chance you have of being, you know, successful. Even after like a first year, you reassess and like maybe some things you take off and you add a couple things, but the core of whatever you do should stay the same, you know. And um, in the restaurant world, I feel like people usually backtrack too quickly, you know. So I think that that's cool. So what was that first? I mean, when did you go from? I mean, three million bucks is a lot. What was it like the first year compared to the second year? Well, so about three sixty five in. So we opened the end of uh, two thousand seven. So we'll, we'll call two thousand eight from two thousand seven to two thousand eight because I think our two thousand seven sales were less than ten grand or something like that. it was ridiculous, mm-hmm. uh, ridiculously low. Then all of a sudden, this uh, the whole like social media age began or people wanted to write the reviews yelp start i didn't know what yelp was when i opened i know kind of they're like not as important now but still people use it and so back then it's uh, i equate it to so we're in the bay area all this tech is, is happening right we were in the middle of that in the beginning and all these forums whether it was twitter like we've been on twitter for like 15 years stuff like that oh, is that they need something to talk about. Like the NBA is better when they have people like Michael Jordan, Steph, you know, Mike, uh, Le- LeBron James, Steph Curry. They're better when they have those people to talk about. Otherwise, why would you talk about the NFL if they don't have, you know, Tom Brady out there? And so the food scene needed somebody to talk about. And here I was the anti-chef. I was some guy had no restaurant experience, and I'm selling freaking sandwiches. But we were number one on Yelp. Out of all restaurants in San Francisco, a very famous food city, and I have a there's a named after me, so it was it, it was easily um, accessible to people. Plus the price point, we were we we're less than ten bucks back then. Everybody could eat there. It wasn't like a place like uh, whatever whatever Michelin star restaurants out there that you need to book out ahead of time, and all you had to do is stand in line and wait for an hour, and you can get a sandwich at my place with ten bucks. So people were able to leave reviews and tell people, hey, you should come and eat at Ike's. Hey, you should come and eat at Ike's, etc. So we were able to, to – we were doubling our sales every three months, like starting January 2001, that <laughs> we didn't even have a time to adjust. It was like, holy shit, we just served 100 people today and our previous high was like 30. And then we're like, oh my god, now we're serving 400 people a day and now we're serving a, you know, 1,000 people a day. And no matter what we did, no matter how far we, we like got better at it, like now we're better and now we're serving more people, no matter what happened, whatever we did, however many people I brought in more ovens and more everything, just the wait was always two hours long. And then an hour after you ordered, it was two and a half years of not a rest, I guess is how, how to put it. So I didn't, just learning on the fly there, like learning how to, how to be faster but while being faster and testing things out on people. Well, in those first uh, 
you said two to three years it was in the same location? Yeah. The first we, we square feet. The first 400 square feet, we were there for a little bit less than three years before we got uh, kicked out. And then we moved across the street, but due to uh, permitting issues, we had a nine-month stint where we didn't have a location, and we just had our other ones, which were on campus at Stanford University. We were on campus there. That was our um, technically our second location. And then we had one all the way in uh, Oracle by Electronic Arts and Oracle in the, in the peninsula of, of the Bay Area. And we had those two. And then those ones, even though it was like, say, not uh, a smaller city, it's not San Francisco, we had waits of over an hour there where people are driving from San Francisco there now because we were not in San Francisco. Are those still there, those two? Uh, but none of our the top three locations are, are not there. Oh, yeah? yeah? Our long? Stanford one just closed because of the building's not open due to COVID. Oh, really? And we don't know when, when that one's going to reopen. But it's on campus. The The landlord is the school. Right. So luckily it's not. It'll be a school thing. It'll be a school thing whenever, whenever they reopen. And, and if they open the building, like who knows, right? And then, But the other one at Oracle, we also get kicked out because that one was 450 square feet. And even though the landlord, when we signed up, knew that we were popular and and we would have hour waits. The rest of the building didn't appreciate having a couple hundred people show up that weren't uh, the tenants of the building. You want anything to drink? I'll just I'll have more like sparkling water. Yeah, I'd love that. Can I get a, a bottle of Pellegrino when you get a chance? Thank you so much, Nick. You want some? Uh, no. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Hey, hey, y'all. So is the is the model for you in that small five hundred square foot thing? Uh, like that that's what you look for is that what you built the model to be like just small like smaller locations are you looking for or do you have locations that are bigger a thousand fifteen hundred two thousand square feet oh well our san francisco store the the one that we moved to ended up being uh, almost three thousand square feet oh, so big, big so we're the the thing is is because what we're doing we're more concerned with location than size of the space now right. obviously i don't want to pay three thousand a rent on 3,000 square feet if we don't know we're not going to use the 3,000 square feet. Right. So we're basically like, how much rent do we want to pay? And if a landlord's willing to meet that rent, we don't care what the size of the space is. Ideally, we'd be way more than uh, 400 square feet. That's just where the first location was, and that's just where the second location happened to be. Sure. And then Stanford, that location was about 800 square feet. Ideally, we'd be at uh, 1,100 to 1,300 there yeah. just so we can have some, some spots. Uh, some space for high volume right. though i mean now where people are kind of uh, for our our genre don't necessarily need to eat it in and then all the rules and stuff in right. california we've been fine because we've had a lower um, occupancy already right yeah you're kind of you were kind of i wouldn't say you were built for this thanks Scott. you're not like built for this but the model worked very well for this time frame yeah yeah so you know when Chugs, when all the COVID things started happening, Chugs was a grab-and-go kind of thing. So it actually did better than everything else, you know. And it uh, it closed in the middle of the quarantine time to start renovations. But, I mean, it did well, you know, considering. Yeah. Uh, only because it was built for that. You know, like the food was built for that. The whole concept was built for that. So if you wanted food to go, like it was easy because we were already doing that. So... How did you get to eighty two stores? Like, where? Tell me when. When did things start going like to snowball to like so many, so many locations? So to, initially, so in the first three years of Ike's, we had three stores. 
essentially one a year. And that kind of also came from, like, I didn't know that you shouldn't open up three restaurants in three years. For us, it was, and for people that are out there that are listening to this, if you're in the, any kind of business, but especially the restaurant business, and you know this too, it's kind of while there's some different uh, hiccups here and there, to open up two restaurants is the same as opening the first one, more or less. To open up the third one, the same. So here we are, store number 82 or 83. We're building one in L.A. right now. And it's the same as opening the very first store way back in 2007. It's all just a a reframing of my mind. Like to get to 1,000 locations or 5,000 locations, I imagine, is the same as just doing what I did just 4,010 more times or whatever. Right. And uh, that is a blessing as much of it as it is – anything because if it, all you need is time like i know you could open up 100 restaurants for sure because you opened up one and then yeah. five and then whatever 10 right you i know that you can do that now do you know that you can do that you know it so then just go and do it and i just kind of uh, i delegated everything out all the stuff that i hate to do which is planning departments and and build outs and let me right. just f- focus on the menu which is what i love to do and feed people and from there it's like the team uh, we're on auto control. We're on cruise control. We'll we'll get to a thousand locations. We'll get to five thousand locations. Is that the goal for you? Five thousand and one locations. Yeah, we'll be the what? That'll put us at like the second largest sandwich shop in the world, and I'm good with that. What's first Subway? Subway's like forty something thousand. Uh, I Is don't, it forty something yeah, thousand? Yeah, and it, I think this is the largest restaurant in the world, or you know, the n- number of locations. And wow. so for me, 40, looking at them, uh, they're basically just selling. You know, I'm not talking shit, but they're basically just selling locations to sell locations. Uh, for me to get, for us to get the forty-something thousand locations, uh, unless it's you know a hundred per country or something like, it doesn't kind of make sense from an economic standpoint for us to be cannibalizing each other like right. that. So five thousand one is good enough for me, and probably when I get there, I'm going to say no. We want ten thousand and one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything is a benchmark, right? Yeah. So, what's your favorite sandwich on the menu? Do you, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. people ask you that shit oh, all the time. Yeah. So. The one I eat the most is this spicy barbecue sandwich designed with Madison Bumgarner back in like 2010. It's a habanero and like a North Carolina style barbecue because that's where he's from and a steak sandwich. So you can imagine a, a barbecue type cheesesteak, North oh. Carolina style but spicy and cheesy. I love that sandwich. I eat it the most. But probably my official favorite is the Reuben. Uh, we don't call it a Reuben because people get offended. Right. We call it the Paul Rubens. I guess it's totally a West Coast style sandwich. It's saucy as hell. We're condiment and bread uh, focused on that instead of the the stack of meat like you would get at whatever New York deli. What kind of bread? Uh, Well, our famous bread is the Dutch. We've been working on that recipe for eight, nine, I don't know, ten years or so. And so we don't do it on rye. We used to sell rye, but folks didn't, didn't want that compared to our breads. And the reason why that's my official favorite is I freaking hate Rubens. Like if I go to your world famous New York place and you try to sell me a Reuben, I'm gonna say absolutely not. I'll take like a different sandwich. But the first time I ever ate and designed the Paul Rubens, I was like, "Damn, I actually made a Reuben that I like." Mm-hmm. And like I said, I straight up hate Rubens, and so that's why it's officially my favorite sandwich. Is if I can turn a sandwich that I hate into one that I I love, uh, that's the one. So those are my two favorite. Do all of the locations have the same menu? Um, more or less, you can. We have a secret menu, so we got eight hundred plus sandwiches. 
Though I... How many? 800. Over 800 choices, yeah. 800? Yeah, close to 400 veggie, four or 500 meat. And we can swap them out. Like, we can make a meat one into a veggie one by swapping right. out the meat. So, so this is 800 before accounting for, like, variations of, I want on this bread or that bread. Correct. This is like, I want a hot date for hire, or I want a... That's one of them? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> That was my first internet business back in the day. Uh, we can talk about that later. <laughs> but, <laughs> I think we will. But you, but you were talking about the uh, the menus similar. So, like, like say we'll we'll take the uh, the menu out here in Aventura. So we got a, a a Cuban sandwich on the menu, or my take on a Cuban sandwich. Which, while you can order that at every Ike's, we don't necessarily feature it on, say, a menu in San Francisco or a menu in Vegas. Um, we've got uh, like a sandwich named after Pitbull. Like we, while you can. Get that maybe at another location. We wouldn't necessarily feature that one there, right? Uh, like in say Bay Area, we have the Steph Curry sandwich on the menu that we feature, or a bunch of San Francisco Giants players. Um, Marshawn Lynch's sandwiches uh, is featured prominently, say in, in What's the Bay in the Area. What's the Marshawn Lynch sandwich? Because I love Marshawn Lynch. So, Mar- so Marshawn's one of our partners. We own a few oh. locations in He's uh, Vegas best. with him. Man, he, that he, guy he is, is one of my favorite. Pro athletes of all time. He, he's definitely that, and yeah. he's got a great mind. He's got a huge heart too. I mean, I think he. I think a lot of people don't know that about. No, him, I mean, but. he's one of the coolest, most down to earth, and I've never met him. This is just from like, you know, we had, uh, on our podcast that we did. I don't know, two months ago or whatever. One of our um, guests, he uh, paints athletes' shoes, uh, like cleats. That's yeah. like his whole business, and. His stories about Marshawn are amazing. And then all the stories I hear through, like, you know, because I played college football and all the football players that I know and whatever about him are incredible. He's just such a good dude, like such a, a good person. If you're looking yeah. to paint some sandwiches on your shoes, Ike, it's uh, Souls, Souls by, by, sir. by Sir. At Souls by Sir. Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll get a sandwich uh, sandwich shoe or something. I mean, yeah, I, he'll do that. He'll do your Air Force Ones with sandwiches on them. I, I've actually had someone, uh, they did some vans, and they hand-drew the Ike's logo on it, yeah. painted it, and then uh, presented it to me as a gift once. So, uh, That's what Marcus does. Uh, I do enjoy stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, you were asking about Marshawn's sandwich. Yeah. So the only thing I don't like about Marshawn is he doesn't like mayonnaise. That's oh, really the man. only thing I don't like about him. Other than that, that's probably the only thing I don't like about him either. Yeah, it's I like, come mayonnaise. on, you can't get a sandwich and say no mayo. Like he he will get upset if I put mayo on a sandwich. And and spoiler alert, Marshawn, I've put mayo on every single sandwich I've ever made you. A hundred percent of the time, I've put mayo on it. I just you know rubbed it in really, really, really great. Yeah. But his sandwich is uh, is a bacon spicy barbecue like mustard thing. We call it beast mode barbecue. He kind of designed a sauce with us, uh, fried chicken and cheese. No mayo, but I'm putting mayo on it. Wow. Skittles on the side? Skittles uh, on the side. You know, we were going to do some Skittles and stuff like that, but we give away a, a lollipop with each sandwich. We give away a caramel apple pop, and we figured the Skittles is a conflict of interest. Yeah, it is. Plus, they don't pay me, so That's I'm going to give away Skittles. But if you want to put an ad on this podcast, it's ads at datemag.com. <laughs> Skittles, if you're out there, yes. we'll take your ad money. Uh, I, I will too. If you want to make an Ike flavor, we'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> like that. some Skittle bread. <laughs> so let's go like all the way back. Where you're from? Where you grew up? And then, I mean, how? I know I kind of got like a, an idea of how you got into the restaurant thing, and we'll dive into that more. But tell me about your whole upbringing. How that? Oh. How that happened? Well, I grew up in San Francisco, born and raised. Okay. I lived there until I went away to college in, in uh, UC Davis, which is Northern California. 
uh, about an hour up from San Francisco. And so I, I basically was a city kid. And that's why when I wanted to open up my restaurant, I was like, well, my dream would be San Francisco. Though at that time, the city was way too expensive for me to, to live in. I, I was commuting in and I found a perfect location for me. So growing up, I was really into school, like getting good grades and sports. In fact, that's what I spent most of my time. I, I wrestled. I played, was on the football team, tried out for basketball, baseball, martial arts. I got my fifth degree black belt in Kempo Karate. Oh, Studied tai, tai Chi since I was 12. Just really into sports. Um, I tried out for the Olympics in a couple sports uh, back sports? in 1996. Uh, went to the national championships or got invited to the national championships uh, for martial arts. And went to the national championships in uh, Greco-Roman wrestling. Oh, man. Wrestling is tough, man. And, I did, spoiler alert, I don't make the Olympics in either one of those sports. Uh, <laughs> either one of the U.S. teams. It, but I was really into that. Then when I went to college, because I, this is where I really got into food, I'd always been making sandwiches. Though when I was away at college, what my family did provide for me, they made it very clear that I wasn't going to be able to afford to eat out every meal. And so, I mean, obviously, I, don't expect, I didn't expect that. But so I had a, a little stipend from the family, and I had to learn how to make that money stretch. Yeah. And so that's when I really started exploring and experimenting in the kitchen. And a lot, like my sandwich number one on the menu, number six on the menu, number uh, eight on the menu, a lot of these sandwiches, the idea came from when I was in college making food. <laughs> Man, I did that so many times too. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know if they, it's not like... Um, no, none of them have really ended up on maybe some have ended up on on menus but yeah i mean I, I fucked with food a lot when i was in college like a lot oh yeah and there was a lot of stuff that i made and i literally threw it straight into the trash because yeah. i took a couple bites i'm like there's no salvaging this you know for me it wasn't as much like making the food in college but it was like i moved to virginia so uh i mean i've been a miami kid my whole life and then it was a totally i mean it's a completely different lifestyle virginia yeah and food i mean the food was really something i had never experienced before and i thought it was delicious so like real american barbecue brunswick stew biscuits apple butter the whole thing like shit i never had before and i fucking love but i really loved the what i loved was the comforting aspect of that their food for sure but yeah i feel you like you know the college did mold a lot of my food likes and dislikes too yeah uh, somebody here asked about a CBD sandwich. We're doing a CBD sandwich on 420. Uh, oh, a CBD sandwich? A CBD sandwich uh, out in the Arizona stores. California is a little uh, tough on rules just as a generalization, but for this one specifically. Uh, so we're I've been messing around and testing out CBD sandwiches for the last two months, specifically for 420. Uh, but because of the rules, we're going to only be able to do it for a temporary. Yeah. How do you mess around with a CBD sandwich? Like, what are your things? Do you make butter? Do you make mayonnaise? Do you make, like, what are the things that you do? So, I'll make sauces. So take the, uh, yeah. the oil or whatever and mix it with a flavor, and then I add it to a sandwich. Sure. Um, so I've been messing around with the Chipotle version. Uh, Chipotle, I don't want to call it mayo because it's more like butter and, and CBD oil and things like that. Right. And, but adding schmear. that to a steak we'll sandwich. It, we'll yeah. call it a schmear. And... Uh, what else did we do? We did like a, a vinaigrette, so more like a, something that could be a salad dressing, but I put that on fried chicken, and it was just really crisp and refreshing and went with the saltiness of the, the fried chicken and then made the vegetarian versions as well. You should make some CBD mojo and let me know how it comes out. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because mm. there's oil in it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, that would be yeah. Just give it a try. Let me know how I'm, it ends I'm, up. I'm down. I'm, you I'm willing to try it out. anywhere. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't. I mean, I have a lot of like my friends that are former cooks that you know they cook with CBD and THC and the whole thing, and it's like my thing is I'm not great with edibles, so like I don't fuck with them very much. You know, like I'm scared I take a wrong turn and I'm going to be high for a very long yeah. time. So I usually just leave it up to the professionals and I just consume. <laughs> I don't really fuck with them. Make it. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, if you could do it and you could do it well, people do buy it. You know? Yeah. I, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be very difficult for a restaurant to, to do that as a, as a thing, like as a permanent thing. Some do, but some do it a lot more in cocktail form than yeah. they do in food form. Because you're allowed, you're able to portion it. Right when you're doing that, because you're just like, oh, we're gonna put one shot, so you can guarantee right. it. But if I'm smearing some sauce on there, then the way the law state is, I need to make sure that there's five grams or ten grams or right. whatever I say. But unless we have like a squirt gun or something squirting the sauce on there, we, we yeah, we, we can't do that. Sandwiches on the board. Yeah. yeah, and so if you're just adding, adding a little bit of sauce the whole time, I, I mean, I think we would do a THC sandwich. I don't, I don't know when that would be actually legal, legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we looked in the permits, and that's just, it's like half a million dollars for all the locations. So, oh yeah, to get a kind of permit like that. So now, what were we just talking about? <laughs> CBD sandwiches, CBD sandwiches, edibles, and leaving edibles. them to the professionals. Oh yeah, well, eight hundred sandwiches, man. Now there's no list. I know. Just I mean, bear in mind, eventually we want to transition to this hot date for hire dot com. Oh, oh hot date for hire Trying to get into the background of the yeah. story. Of, so he was born in yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. Right. Well, my, my first job when I was 15 was in the circus. I oh, did. Man, there's a lot happening. Here. Oh, yeah. You are a loaded character, I sir. think from here on out, we're not talking about sandwiches. I want to talk about this circus job. What? I mean, my there's first Olympic job, tryouts and circuses. My first job and... was working for Tropicana on my friend's uncle's route, unloading boxes. Your job sounds so much cooler when you were young. Well, I, I was blessed with the fact that a, a lot of crazy-ass... Great publicity happened to me from such a young age. Uh, I was, they were, um, I was on a trampoline team. Trampoline team, what's that? Well, they, in 1990, a trampoline, a trampoline team. team. This they, is amazing. They were, they were considering, they were making, so trampoline used to be an Olympic sport. But too many, you, people don't know that, but too many people got injured, so they, they stopped it. Trampoline? Tramp, like doing trampoline, jumping and doing backflips and, and you forward know that, flips. You know this? I, yeah. I, I vaguely remember watching a little bit of it. Yeah. So it used to be. I, I'm how, not how, shocked that you watched this on YouTube at some point in your life. Well, because when did they stop uh, putting the, in the Olympics? Yeah, um, before I was in into it. But I remember that. So they were, were going to bring it back, but as a, um, a show sport or like a, an exhibition sport. Right. So I was on a team because one of. The places that I hung out at, a previous Olympian that was did trampoline was was teaching a class, and so I was like, "Hey, they were." Uh, so I started doing it because it just seemed really cool, jumping on trampoline, doing backflips. It's really cool when you're twelve like and twelve fun. and fifteen, yeah. and and so I was like, "There's only two dudes on the whole team," and now so imagine if if there's not that many dudes, and they need to field the Olympic team. Like I'm already like an automatic kind of. I was probably like the third or fourth ranked person in trampoline as a as a male, and I was 15, and I, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say I was great, but I was definitely cool. So we were on TV, a local news station, and the circus saw us on TV and goes, "Oh, we need to add some of this stuff to our our routine." So they call up our coach, and he goes, "Yeah, 
you guys want a best guy and well we got here's ike he's the best guy so i ended up going out there and and teaching and being a part of like acrobatics with an actual circus but my main job that they gave me apparently i was really good at standing on those um those stilts you know you see those really tall people so for me because i'm so short i was like regular size human being but i was really good they're like about three feet long and my main job was like walking in parades and like waving to people and doing like kick kicks and stuff with the with the stilts on and they paid me like fifteen dollars an hour of cash in 1990 like four or whatever like so rich. i was stacking like i was rich. stacking cash 15 bucks an hour in 1994 oh yeah rich. At, at what age i was uh 15 yeah 15 bucks an hour 15 years old in 1994 and uh, way more than i was making with tropicana they, they're not in business anymore so i can say that they paid me cash and i did not pay taxes on that you didn't hear it here first on Punko <laughs> Podcast. Uh, if you're a part of the IRS, please exactly. turn, off, turn off the podcast. Exactly. We, you're not our client. Yeah. We, don't, we don't want you in here. Hey, um, first of all, I didn't know what taxes were, but uh, yeah. yeah. That, that was like, that was <laughs> but, like, yeah, no. That was like 30 know. years ago. I only made a couple hundred bucks, so I'll, I'll slide you your, your 50 bucks or whatever I owe. That was your first job when you were 15. 15, yeah. I did that for 15 years old and 16, two summers. Oh, that's wild. And then my first paycheck ended up being at Victoria's Secret. What? Go on. Tell yeah. me. Did you also wear stilts at Victoria's Secret? <laughs> you know what? No. 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 I, I didn't put on a. I haven't put on a pair of stilts since then. Oh man! You yeah, should do I know. that for a, a, the next restaurant opening if you still got it. You got to see if you could still do I, that. Hopefully, it's like a bike, and I won't. Uh, I don't know, man. Those things actually look really fucking yeah. difficult to stand on. I, w- I was I would really, never really good, that. so I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm too clumsy for that. So I would never do that. Nick, pro- I would pay money for, to see you on one of those. Yeah, still, so I, I can if teach you. If we're prorating you. that fifteen dollars, I don't think I make it to the first five. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so how? When did you transition to Victoria's Secret from being um, on stilts? So I, I was did, did the stilts thing, and then I went to college, and I got kicked out of college. Hey, man, sophomore me year, too. so yeah. many times. How many times did you get kicked out? Just, just the one time. Like, oh, I, I got, got kicked out, out and there wasn't times. really a reason to attempt again. Now, I've taken classes for sure at colleges, but not with the intention to graduate. With more like I want to learn about accounting or I want to learn about creative writing. But the official time, just one time, I got kicked out and immediately decided I wanted to go into business for myself. So it was part of a family business up until – so that was 98 so from 98 to 2004. What was the family business? It was a supermarket liquor store in San Francisco. Oh, cool. And uh, I did that from 98 to 2004. Yeah. Uh, I worked at a Winn-Dixie. So oh, I know, cool. I know that life. I know that st- I worked in the uh, – I was a bag uh, bagger first. Then I worked uh, – what did I do next? I was uh, stock stock for the, the dog food aisle. And uh, I know this is riveting stuff. And then dog food, yeah, the dog food aisle. And what did I do after that? Yeah. And then I got fired from Winn Dixie, and then I went to go work at Norman Brothers. How much dog fired. food did they have at this Winn Dixie that there was like a whole stocking thing? those things? I felt it was rough, man. It, I, I mean, I was like fucking fourteen years old yeah. at the time, fourteen or fifteen years old, and it was. Um, and now you're the Bruce Springsteen. Now I'm the Bruce Springsteen of Miami Denny. Who, who would have thought from the dog food out of here? What a journey, everyone. Yeah. What a journey. You know what? Oh, but that's why I got a job because I worked at that when Dixie when I was a kid. I got a job at Norman Brothers later, which is like a small, like, family-owned kind of like uh, fresh market here. And that's when I started working in a butcher shop and I learned how to butcher chicken oh. when I was like 
17 or 18 so years old. God bless uh, Winn-Dixie for Thank you, Winn-Dixie. You yes. Thank you, Edward, my manager out there, the one that was telling me to go two blocks away to pick up those carts. It's all for you, buddy. It's all for yeah. you. Yeah. So then family business working in a supermarket, and then you went 2004. I, yeah. I want to know where the Victoria's Secrets happened. And Oh, yeah. So I, I, I will hire. say that the, the – the key learnings from the family business was, was one, how not to do business from a customer service standpoint. Back then, I mean, that's, that business was making some cash. Like I was making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year as a 22-year-old college dropout or kicked out. I, I would wish I got dropped. I, I kicked, got kicked out. But also, At least the you know first. I got kicked out once. I got kicked out three times. Well, because you went back three times. Like, that's your I own did, fault. I did. I did go back. I did go back. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, well, you're out, but we'll let you back in. Yeah. So, I mean, once they kicked me out, I was like, God bless you. Peace out. I'm going to go do this. So, the, but the first official sandwich I ever sold, like what made me a professional sandwich maker, was while I was at the supermarket, I would, uh, there was a meat market there, and I'd go and grab some, like, exotic meat. Uh, I recall I was making an ostrich cheesesteak. And I was frying I it up. With that. That yeah, delicious. exactly. Is that it, on the X Men? Right no, now? it's not. It should oh, be. Come on. I don't know where to find some like good ostrich like that. We don't have to have a whole bunch of people prepping in the stores, you right? Have an ostrich but, steak. There you go. We'll, we'll, I'm down. Oh. So I was making this ostrich cheesesteak in uh, in the back, like on my break, even though it was my business. So I was kind of like not on break, and it made the store smell so good. Somebody walked in, was buying some food, some drinks, and um, beverages, and they were like, "Hey, what is that that you're making?" Make an ostrich cheesesteak. And the person was like, I'll give you 10 bucks for it. And I did the math in my head. Oh, it cost me like 250 Yeah, okay, I'll sell you this cheesesteak for, for 10 bucks, And then I'll just go back to the meat market and buy some more meat and then make myself one. So kind of that one person, God bless that person, put in my mind that I could sell food for more money than I paid for it. Yeah. And so my food cost was like twenty five percent on that. Now, in hindsight, I, I should have charged more for than ten bucks for a for a, sure. for an ostrich steak. Minimum. But at the time, I was like ten bucks. Yeah, sure. I'm I'm. So I started doing that, and I just make lunch, and people would come in and be like, "Oh, what are you making?" So and then I just started making extra, uh, and then I came up with the sauces um, slowly but surely. Though I was like, "Man, this is a lot of work," as you know. So I stopped doing that. I stopped making sandwiches. I stopped having a line at the door because I was like. This is a lot of work for not that much money, making like 250 bucks um, in sales and then minus, minus, minus. I was like, ah, that's too much work. The business, the supermarket, I just stand behind the register and ring people up and, and uh, shoot the shit, right? Or I could work my ass off slicing meat and cheese and, and doing you. all that. Though I, I did come up with the dirty sauce, which is our secret sauce, uh, from there. And I did realize day. that I could make food uh, and have the capacity to do it. And I did like it. I just didn't like the amount of money I was making from there. So flash forward way later, 2007, so that's 2001 to 2004 I was doing that. It allowed me to just go into Ike's. But we wanted to know about Victoria's Secret. Yeah, so I know. Was, we keep skipping Victoria's Secret and the, what, Hot Date for Hire? Hot Date for Hire. So Hot Date for Hire was before Victoria's Secret. Come on. So this was dirty this was in the beginning of, like, the internet age where when you're in a chat room and it was creepy. 105? Like, is, hasn't the internet I just, been around for 9,000 years? I mean, I meant, like, before people were. Oh, before were like, it's, like, how it is now, which yeah. is, like, it's now, it's, like. If you don't have it. Beep. So it's like when you when you're like, hey, do you want to meet? And you're in a chat room or whatever to be like, are you gonna murder me? No, and where people wouldn't meet because if I told you I was gonna meet some some chick online or something, you'd be like, don't do it. 
Right. And the other way around, her friends would be like, oh, you can't meet that freaking guy when he says he owns a freaking grocery store. Are you sure you're not going to get now put ev- into a sandwich, right? Now everyone's swiping now everybody's right and swiping uh, left Tinder and, and, and Bumble and, and, and all that. Yeah, and there's right. all kinds of other ways, and you have to meet that way. So I, I realized that back then there was a need for people to make their exes jealous. So I started Hot Date 4. It was the number 4 hire.com. And if you needed a strapping young guy like me or um, a, a woman, I had my, my family or my sister, my girlfriend at the time, <laughs> me. Work. I yeah, I was it. like, hey, we're going to charge X amount. Like, <laughs> it was ahead of its time. I feel like, well, now if it was a business, everybody would just be like accusing you. Oh, that's just a hot date for hire chick or that's just a hot date for hire bro, right? Not a real date. Uh, so maybe it's a good thing that it wasn't real because it would just be, be defunct funked right away but back then i mean i i would get people to pay for a date um for two hours go there walk you know hold hands by their um whatever significant others work or ex ex's work or they needed a date to a company party or to prom or something i mean i was way younger as like 19 and 18 and stuff this like this when this was going on so like i've been to too many i've been to too many proms i've been to too many homecomings I'm fast how much did you charge for a two-hour date uh, for a two-hour date, seventy-five bucks plus plus uh, whatever. If you wanted a corsage, you're paying for that. You wanted flowers, I'm, I'm in like prom photos where I'm like carrying the person and like. Wow. And they pay extra for that. The, the photos free, like the. But if you wanted me to give you a corsage, that's whatever. I don't know how much those cost. I'm fascinated. Yeah, it sounds like eighteen. Fascinating. Uh, I was in high school, just going on tons of like I've been like non-proms and, yeah. and, and nine homecomings and stuff like that. And then after when I was out of high school. Then I started doing like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll eat dinner at your boyfriend's restaurant or you know where the restaurant he works at, and and make it look like I'm in love with you and things like that. This is incredible. Yeah, this that was that was podcast probably first, my huh? least favorite uh, job ever because there were there were a lot of like I'm really good at being like I'm into you. <laughs> <laughs> I am really good at faking the fun. However, because I was being paid to do that, sure. Uh, though. Now, looking back upon that... Th- I mean, this seems like it's the beginning of the influencer age and nobody knew it. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't... I just didn't... Uh, what was it? What that I didn't like about it? No, I wouldn't any, say that there was anyone anything... Anyone try I, to fight you or... I would have... I, was, I mean, I don't really think it's appropriate to tell, but I definitely have had people come up to me afterwards be like... Come up to me like, dude, I saw you with so-and-so. I'm like, who are you talking about? They're like... Like, literally, I wouldn't remember... S- right. Somebody that I went out with like two years ago because sure. it was just a, a just a, a business thing, and I'd get in almost fist fight like fist fights over it because somebody didn't like the fact that I did that. So I stopped being the the guy that I would. I don't want to say pimp out, but I'd stop being the guy and I started getting my friends to do it instead and, and took a commission. So if we're going to pay take seventy five, the, the appropriate bucks, term is you were no longer your own bottom bitch. Yeah, yes. you were. <laughs> Man, I feel like uh, you should talk to Lego about this. this <laughs> I feel like this is a heavy topic. It's not. There was no sex involved at all. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 zero percent prostitution. Oh the, man. The, <laughs> my 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 uh, girlfriend at the time, <laughs> my sister, like all the dates that happened were zero. Like there wasn't even kissing. So just holding hands and making people jealous. It was yeah. There's no kissing. I mean, like I guess unless I wanted to, I suppose. Right. But like there wasn't any. Like you couldn't slip me like an extra fifty for you know yeah for anything yeah 
Man, what a turn this has taken. So what after? And then, th- and then Victoria's Secret. And then Victoria's Secret yeah. happened after that. Yes. Wow, what a what a segue. Odd day for hire led to. Victoria's now is this going to help me sell sandwiches? I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't. Well, I have no. I have. <laughs> I loved no, my job at Victoria's Secret. I, so I'm sure. Tell me about your job at Victoria's Secrets. How long were you there, and how was that experience? So I was there for almost two years. I did end up getting fired from that for probably being a dude working at Victoria's Secret, but they oh, yeah. couldn't legally fire me because of that. Right. So they made up some some other stuff. I think right. officially a client came in and they spent like $1,500 on things. And we had a free item that you would get if you purchased whatever. And they didn't buy that thing, but I gave them the thing for free anyway because they spent like fourteen or $1,600 anyway. And the thing was like 30 bucks to buy the you would get this free thing with this thing if you paid 30 bucks. So I, I get, technically got fired for that, or not technically. I did get fired because of that, but I assume that meant because they didn't want me around. Sure. Anymore. And no offense, I love you, Victoria's Secret. If it wasn't for you firing me, I'd still be there right now working there. Right. Probably super creepy and, oh, thank and all that stuff. And then I wouldn't be <laughs> super Ike from, from Ike's. So, uh, Victoria's God, Secret, God we thank them. you for all the Ike's. They're not a sponsor, but they yeah. can be. And now Again, every... at DadeMag.com. Yes, and every year now, in their honor, I make a little Ictoria's Secret. Ictoria's um, Secret. Panty slash, uh, what is it, boy Sandwich. short. And I, and I make, no, like the actual boy shorts. Like okay. the people that follow me already know that because I post them every, once every year with a new color. And you can win them. It's, I call it Ictoria's Secret because it's literally my first paycheck, which I still have. But to actually answer your question how it was, man, it was not what I thought it was going to be. Sure. And it like was way be, crazier. I feel like people would be mad demanding and very like i was able to to relate to people in a way that i guess maybe the the back then the normal people that the the regular type of employee that they had would because it was probably mostly all female not 100 percent. there were some dudes that worked there besides me though i was able to come in and and you the woman would come in and say i need a bra that does whatever and so me wanting to be great at customer service, and I never wore a bra in my life still to this day, as much as they asked me to I know. in the fitting rooms. I'm like, I'm not going to put this on. This but I just started asking, like, my sisters and my girlfriends and, like, hey, w- you wear this bra. Why do you wear this bra? And so if somebody came in and said, oh, I need a bra to, to run, you know, I'm going to go running in it. Well, my friend Liz, she ran a lot, and she wore this one bra. And I was like, why did you wear that bra? And she said, oh, well, you know, it supports me, et cetera. So I was able to just say, hey, my friend Liz wears this bra, and she runs a lot. And so I sold a lot of bras. Plus, I think also because I was a dude, I can be like, that's hot. You should wear that, et cetera. For sh- I-, I, don't, I don't think there was in that many complaints, like, like sexual harassment complaints. It was, more, it was more like I had a journal every day, like from the first day I worked there. And I'm going to say this one is super inappropriate, but for them to me, not me to them. But I was like, okay. I'm going to get fired for sexual harassment, so I'm going to track everything. Like, I was the one, like, the day one I had my journal, and I'm going to write everything. Wow. Uh, because I want to make sure that I didn't get fired for sexual I mean, harassment. For two years, that's a lot of yeah. time. Yeah. And I did not get fired for sexual harassment. Uh, for giving away a $30 bra. <laughs> and so the um, the first day I was there, and I'm like, okay, don't get fired for this. Don't, don't, don't look at her boobs. Don't do this. All these things. Like, I'm just like, tunnel vision. I will ring you up. Yes, thank you. Have a nice day. And then we close the store. The store closes, and the manager gets on. We have these little headsets so we can communicate. Like, oh, I'm going to send somebody to this room. They're looking for whatever, a push-up bra. The manager, freaking the store manager goes, hey, guys, we need to close real early because I'm getting laid tonight. And everybody there is a woman other than I am. 
And I'm like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get fired for sexual harassment if, like, the manager is not is saying it over the loudspeaker. So I wrote that into oh, you put my that little in journal, journal. And every time, like, I, I got sexually harassed at least three times a day. Of course, I didn't report it because, to me, it wasn't harassment. Yeah, I liked cool. it, yeah, low-key. However, I just want to make sure that if somebody tried to say something, be like, nope, she put gum in my mouth, and she said that, oh, is that all I want her to put in my mouth? I'm like, oh, I don't even know what that my means. God. But I wrote it down. Hot times of Victoria's yeah. Secret. And California. people are like, hey, you want to come help me show me where the fitting room is? You know, I'm like, okay. Uh, you going to help me put these on? Nope, but I'm going to write it down in my book that you asked me to, you know, so. And so, so then from Victoria's Secret, you went to Ike's. <laughs> Not straight. <laughs> Not straight. That's uh, right about that's my dirty yeah. sauce. <laughs> so there you go. I was like, you know what? I can't sell panties anymore. I'm going to go sell some sandwiches. No, it was more so I ended up uh, getting re- let go at that place. And I also at the same time, I worked at this red, women's ready-to-wear fashion line called uh, BB. Pretty sure they still exist, but as an online um, retailer. But B-E- I had a lot of fun B-E-B-E? there. B-E-B-E, oh, all yeah, lowercase. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I had a lot of fun there. And so kind of – This whole time it was I thought more it was like, baby. Yeah, baby, that's baby, what, baby. That's no, I think – I'm pretty sure it's BB. And so, so I, would, baby. I would have people that – and that store was – that place was uh, worked on commission. Oh. So I'd sell them the bra and the panties and then sell them the clothes to put on over it. So that's kind of like a full-service shop on, oh, on, on women's fashion. And then you provided the dates. Yeah, you, you know, well, no, no, that was that was before. And then I wasn't you provided no longer, the food for the dates. no. The, the date thing was a little too, um, too. Uh, yeah, it, it just didn't work out. So no dates anymore. Uh, it it uh, yeah, it wasn't cool. But the Victoria's Secret part and then the BB part, and then I started selling real estate. But in twenty, this two thousand five, two thousand six, right when, like I sold a home really quick, like right when I got my license, and then after that, every single deal kind of. Uh, the banks wouldn't lend, etc. So, which actually kind of led me to, to wanting to open up Ike's. So I started working at uh, my buddy at, at the time, uh, my roommate at the time. His dad was opening up a, a restaurant in Palo Alto. And I figured, well, I'm going to open up a restaurant. And I've never worked in a restaurant. I should I should go work. So, And then I also worked at Trader Joe's, all in between, like, Ike's. Uh, because I, I needed to to pay my bills and I quit all my jobs the ones that I didn't get fired from because I knew that I was using them as a crutch and I wasn't going to actually open up Ike's until I um, you needed I to. needed to yeah right. exactly so I did that woo what a what a journey what to a ride Ikes, man and, and, and here we are and, he, and here we hopefully are hopefully you don't air all that inappropriate stuff that I said if it was inappropriate <laughs> I mean, things don't get cut here <laughs> I mean <laughs> You can ask all former guests. Things don't get cut here. Well, that's all good. Yeah, no. you're on Instagram live. You know, yeah, I know. I'm living it right now. I'm just, you know, I don't, I don't care. But yeah. other humans, legal man. Care. Uh-huh. Yeah. So okay, so now Ike's opens. We already kind of talked about the first three years of Ike's. You had three locations the first three years. Yeah. Right? What? How did you? When? How did you get to eighty two? I mean that's a, that's a big jump three to eighty two. I mean we have we have to talk about seventy nine stores. How did that happen in between? You know, like what years? I mean you've been so so it's been what fourteen years, right? Let's see. Yeah, fourteen. We opened in two thousand seven, so a little seven. over thirteen years. Yeah, thirteen. And let's see. So by year two thousand ten, there was three Ikes. By two thousand twelve, the, on January first, two thousand twelve, there was. Four, uh, there was four Ikes. By January 1st, 2013, there was 13 Ikes. 
So we we open up eight locations, or right, yeah, eight locations, nine locations, nine within one year, and that was the biggest. Uh, I don't know what to call it. That was the biggest leap, but also it was one of the things. Is like I was totally that guy that oh I need to be there and I need to run everything and I need to make sure I touch every sandwich and everything needs to be hundred percent the right way. And then, but like for those that are listening that are in the restaurant business and, and or any business is for sure. If there was two of you, there's two of me, and I walked in on myself at Ike's, or you walked in on yourself, you would judge the hell out of yourself. You would say you're slacking here and you're cutting corners there, and because realistically, none of us are ever a hundred percent efficient a hundred percent of the time. Ever, none of us, no matter how big of a perfectionist. I am, you are, you're going to judge, you would judge yourself. If you were your own employee, you would judge, judge yourself. judge myself every day. Yes, exactly. So I started thinking, well, if I would talk shit to myself, then I got to ease up on everyone else. And I started thinking, well, they can't mess up the recipes. The food's good. And as long as we don't give a vegan uh, sandwich with meat on it, yeah. we can't really mess up. So I was like, all right. I don't want to limit myself, so let's just open all these stores that we had. And then I was like, whoa, 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 we opened too many stores. But that was basically the biggest hurdle from the opening store standpoint was to get over the fact that it ain't going to be perfect uh, no matter what. I can't be there 100% of the time anyway, and even if I was, it wouldn't be perfect. Like, I forgot an avocado on somebody's sandwich. I accidentally for you know misplaced the tag, and then the sandwich comes out 45 minutes or an hour later. And had to, you know, be super, uh, you know, whatever, nice to them and apologetic. and apologetic. That's the word I'm looking for. So if I'm going to mess up, then of course someone else is going to mess up too. And then here we are. It's like, hey, just don't give a vegetarian a meat sandwich. You're good to go. Yeah. I mean, that's like sacrilege. The vegetarian yeah. can't have any meat. And unfortunately, we have. Huh? And unfortunately, you have given a vegetarian I mean, meat sandwich, but it, right? I mean, because no one's so, perfect. This shit yeah. happens. You know, and it's tough, especially with us that, you know, like stocks, you know, it's just broth. There's veggie stocks. There's meat stocks. Yeah. There's like, you know, so I've seen all those things and it's it's tough. Uh, it's really hard to like accept the fact that we fucked that up and like, okay, now we have to address the issue, but it's part of life and it does happen. Yeah. So then... You said year four, you opened 10 more locations, right? Yeah, so, so we're by, by 2013. So, what would that have been like approximately five years and a five few years. months in? We were at 13 locations, 12, 12 or 13 locations, uh, right around there. And then we, we stood back. I think that year we only owned, ended up opening one location, kind of wheeled it back in. And then, boom, we went from 13 to like 20 something. We're like, we already opened up eight. We should be able to open up 15 or whatever. And then. Uh, like two years ago, we opened up twenty something locations. This year, we're going to open up twenty something locations. Like this the goal, twenty twenty one. So in twenty uh, in twenty nineteen, we opened up twenty locations. In twenty during uh, COVID, we only opened up three locations. But then we had three that um, are still closed because they're in malls and things like that. So we had a net of zero. And then twenty twenty one, we're planning on twenty one locations. We've got one. I, I don't know how many we opened already so far. Like three or four. Right. So. The goal would be over 100 locations by the end of this year. So where are the other ones going? The other new ones? Yeah. Uh, you don't have to name all yeah, of them. Yeah, a lot in Southern California. We're doing a big push there. New Orleans, Houston, hopefully another one here. Uh, where else are we opening in? Where are you uh, looking at? Vegas, uh, Utah. Where are we looking? Uh, I'm, I'm not – it's more like 
the landlord's got to come and and uh, flirt I, with me. You know, I totally understand. Yeah, I mean, they got to they got to come. To you. you know how it is, right? Yeah, I mean, you so, know, when you engage them, they already have the upper hand. When they engage you, you have the upper hand. I, I feel like I'm the hot date for hire, and if you want me in your uh, restaurant, you want me in your location. A hundred, like, I just they they the landlord needs you to equate uh, the worth of their property as long as you have a viable long-term business it shows that that location is good yeah you know so for them it shows um, how much that property is worth so even if they go to turn it out and sell it in five ten years yeah they, they and plus like a business like yours like this place is phenomenal the property is worth more because you specifically are there this restaurant, these two restaurants, were have been in the previous ten years. I think six locations each. Yeah, and we we've been open for five. So th- I think this is the longest. I think it may, would make sense that area is the longest thing that's ever been on this property, and our lease is very good. So, yeah. um, and the same thing with the one next door. I mean, you know, we bring value to the property. I mean restaurants and the more restaurant people whether you are a chef restaurant tour business person understand that you bring value to the property if you're not going to buy the property you need them to understand that you bring the value to the property yeah because if it's just turning hands every single six months then people would think that maybe the business there isn't good or maybe whatever you know they need to find a good operator they need to find people that are good at their job uh and they need to find something that's cool yeah, and have a tenant that's paying rent. That's right. Yeah. But, you know, it's also the rent part is like um, when they engage you, you can uh, negotiate better on all angles. You know, I mean, yeah. that's, that's part of the whole shtick. If they negotiate you, they're trying to take you out on a date. Right. You know? so. yeah, hashtag international sex symbol. Somebody's commenting on all the... Yeah, I do have way more women followers than men followers. Do you? Yeah, Good for you. My, it's like 72% women. So thank you. We actually just I did that study with uh, I love our, you guys. our former uh, Pancom podcast guest, Gio Fesser, which, uh, happy birthday. <laughs> uh, it was his birthday yesterday. Happy and birthday. And he has 83% female following on Pasolito Papi because he is the poppy of all Pasolitos. I wonder how oh. many of those are follow backs. <laughs> I only follow 99 people on Instagram. And following you on Instagram is fifth base to me. So, Oh, is it fifth base? Fifth base. And you're going all the way down to the dugout. That's I a mean, lot. It's like you got to do your home run trot. Like, if you want me to follow you, I, I, hey, I know y'all follow me and I appreciate you and I love you. Though I can, if I go on there and I follow 99 people, I can't even see my friends. Post. Yeah. Like the Ike's uh, feed, they follow like 700 people. And when I go log in there, there's like people I don't even know. Yeah, it's a lot. how I know. So. It's a lot. Yeah, I like all of our locations to only follow 305 people. 305? Yeah. Is that, a, is, that a, is that like a number to you or is that the address That's here? That's our or area something? code. Okay, 305. Yeah. Got it. And um, But Ariad only follows like 22. It's just yeah, a lot. Cool. It's yeah. a lot to like keep up with and care about. It's just too much for me. So... Sorry, babe, I don't follow you. I know. You, <laughs> this is you, so you, you, you message me often. I freaking love you still. Oh, man. Who is this babe that you don't follow? Let me see. 
I just I just called her babe. It's probably inappropriate in 2021. No, See, careful. She, she slides legal. she slides into my DMs. Does and, she slide into the and, DMs? Not in do an you, inappropriate way. You get a lot of people trying in to get your sandwich. Inappropriate hey, way. You know I, what I'm saying? Hey, my followers know that I post my inappropriate DMs. Oh, do they? Yes. Ooh. Oh, that's I, so I, good. I block them out though, so nobody actually sees who sent it. Oh man, that's so I get that's a good follow. Yeah. So, uh, for all of our listeners, my recommendation today is going to be follow Ike. Yeah, at so Ike Shahada, I-K-E-S-H-E-H-A-D-E-H. So 2021, 20 locations. Uh, you're trying to open up another one in Miami, and you have Utah. I like Utah. I just went to Utah. What yeah. part of Utah? We're doing, let's see, St. George. We're doing Lehigh, hopefully Park City, Salt yeah. Lake City. I was just in Park City. It's Sandy. Like, we're going to do, like, 10 or 12 in Utah. So, heavy West Coast. Heavy West Coast. Well, we're seeing that the brand recognition as we're moving um, west to east, or, yeah, yeah from, from west to east, is better, like, instead of just plopping up. Like, we plopped up in uh, Austin, and it took us a while to generate um, goodwill. Same thing in Phoenix. We've been there for seven years, I think. And now, like, pretty recently, if I'm walking down the street, people recognize me and, and like ask for photos and things like that where in san francisco that happens like every single day so it took us a while and here we are and not too many people know even what ikes is so i prefer to do it that way although i mean we're gonna open up in new orleans and we have no brand recognition there yeah i love new orleans by the way we're gonna have a lot of fun in new orleans so how's it been opening in aventura it's been well, one, I like the the area that we're in. Yeah, it's been fun, like coming out here and being a part of the community here. And I also noticed that uh, I mean, we opened during COVID, so I don't even know what the full potentiality of things are. Um, it's we, good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I, I mean, I, when when Miami and Miami's pretty open, and you know, but when it reaches its full tilt, it's very good. You know, and and as I said earlier, I do come here once a month, so I enjoy being around here. Which means then, hopefully, the brand will end up expanding more and more because when i'm here um, like i get to do stuff like this but also i can learn the community more and then also like learn where to put the next one and the one after that right and we want to do you know 40 in in the state yeah i don't know how many in south florida but i mean south florida i mean very dense south florida wise i mean just with people and when you get to middle florida and northern florida it's it's different but because you have a pretty good already understanding of like college crowds i mean if you were to go up north and you were to hit those college campuses it would be nice you know because they they're big on that the ones that are like those college towns they're like hardcore college towns they all eat in the college town it's like a big thing so that that could be interesting um man so how much time have you actually spent in miami like i know you said you come like once a month but i'd say each trip's about three to two to five days yeah so probably all time, um, a month's worth of time. Yeah. What have you done here that you enjoy? Eat. <laughs> all right. Love to eat. Favorite spots. Um, I wouldn't. I haven't had the chance to repeat a, a, a location yet, so I don't know what would be my favorite. Although, okay. like I said, I will definitely be bringing people here. Cool. I had the uh, the bone marrow oyster. oyster Man, I'll eat two dozen of those, no problem. Uh, but I haven't had like a repeat visit anywhere but Ike so far being out here where where have you gone that you enjoyed though from when your times that you were here I love what's the one with the uh the mermaid in the front oh I feel like I know this oh hold on hold on I got I got it in my phone oh I love uh Michael Mina's new place 
out there. Oh, um, uh, the fish one. Uh, oi, orne, orne, Ornos. Yeah, Ornos. I yeah. love that place. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Ornos. I went uh, a couple months ago. It was really good. And then see, I got a photo of it. Melinda's. Melinda's. Oh, in um, in Wynwood. Yeah. Yeah, cocktail bar. It used to be the Electric Pickle, which I, was like I really like that spot. Yeah. Yeah, the Electric Pickle was like a legendary bar spot in Miami for a long time, and then it changed over to Melinda's. It has food, right? I haven't yeah. been since it changed to Melinda's. I I had some oysters there last time. I like that place, and it's great ambiance. Cool. It's not a place. I I would probably go back there next time. That's it. There's a lot of stuff in that area. Yeah. Lots and lots of stuff. So, so th- those are my two favorite non-Ikes. Oh, no, I ate here, so I'll, I'll call it this place, too. So those are my three favorite spots in cool. this town. Ornos is really good. I mean, I never went to what it was previously because they had it before, and then they changed it over to something else. But this new version, I went because we actually have some former uh, company employees that work there now, and it's really, really good. The location is, like, very nice. I like it. Yeah. Very nice. And it's it's like across the street from Ike's, essentially. Oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, it's like a 10-minute walk from Ike's. Yeah. Oh, so not far at all? Yeah. So out of, out of curiosity, just because I'm sure that you've put in the kind of research because of the model that a lot of our other guests have not, when, because, you know, a lot of the other people we that we've had on have either been people who aren't looking to open as many stores or even have as many stores as you have now, uh... Or they're very South Florida focused, right? Like Mike, for example, just to use you as an example, like your head is in Miami. Yeah, I mean South you know. Florida for sure. Right. I mean Miami specific, definitely. Right. So, in the course of just looking into South Florida, what are some things that you learned about it and how it compares to other markets for a business like yours? Because I'm thinking, for example, like isn't Hialeah like? nationally one of the highest concentrations for yeah. example of, of quick service restaurants it is and that's where a lot of people actually test out their fast food concepts right is highly okay so i wonder like in the research that you've done what have you learned about miami that maybe miami doesn't even know about itself because you know it's it's not like most people give this sort of thing much thought but you're i imagine sort of surveying the landscape what is it about miami that you see like this is what i would say is different about this place well uh, i'll say um I don't know if it's different though. There are many towns where people that are that are food towns that people are willing to go all the way across town. Um, LA is not one of those towns um, <laughs> because of traffic. It's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Oh, whereas, like, say in San Francisco, people will drive an hour and a half for a Michelin restaurant every day. Right? That happens all the time. And, and what I'm noticing here is we want to. F- there is a. It's like a, a split. There, there are some um, people, or there's a subset of, uh, of of people that are willing to do that for food, and there's a subset of people that aren't. And usually, a town's either like ninety five percent they will, or ninety five percent they won't. Not like oh, it's a little mix. So I've, I've noticed that, and there's also a big uh, tourist town too. So if we can get with what we've learned with tourist towns is if you can make it so that people are talking about you, that people, those people specifically, the tourists specifically, will come and find you if you're, say, within 25 minutes or of wherever they're staying. 
and then there's also going to be the people, say, in Aventura that will, if we were just 15 minutes down the road, they wouldn't have gone. So yep. we're really um, looking, I guess the, the thing is, is there's very few cities that are like that, where it's, you know, a mix of both. Right. It's usually a one or the other. Right, right. Yeah. And so this is a town that will do that, So, which will allow us to open up more locations, maybe a little bit quicker than the other way. Cool. Yeah. So we've, we've, we're like a little bit over the hour mark. Mm. I don't know if we want to kind of get into the wind down or if there's other stuff that you, that either of you, like we haven't gotten into. I got a story. I got a story. Oh, you got yes. stories. Yeah, I got a story. Tell the story. About, uh, by, by the way, I for, really like, and maybe this will inspire you somehow. Feel free to say whatever the hell you want. Does, there doesn't have to be any kind of continuity or a great okay, segue cool. here. Oh, yeah. A lot of things, this is when it starts <laughs> like, to go off the rails. So I, hey, it's all good. Yeah, talking about places that have a lot of stores. So I, um, this was like maybe two or three days ago, and I was like exhausted and tired. And I went home like relatively early, so like maybe 10, 10-ish, 10.30 or whatever. And so... I wanted to like just decompress, and I smoked a, a really like a good amount of weed, and I was like, I wanna hell yeah, I wanna order food, and I was like, I'm gonna order a Domino's pizza. Oh sh, damn, right. okay. So I ordered a Domino's pizza. I'm a big fan of Domino's. I'm, I'm Pizza Hut over Domino's, but are I'll, you? I'll, That's I've, totally I've, def- I've definitely Domino's it up for Listen, sure. Ask I mean, the Victoria's for, Secret for uh, days. Fat for fast food people. I, I don't judge anyone on their likes or dislikes. Yeah. So. I order my regular order from Domino's, which is which is um, yeah, a side salad and then a, a Hawaiian pizza. Okay, it's always my move. Classic. Thin crust, always, and it always right. gets to side my house. Salad, huh? Always got to lighten you it gotta, up. You got to, you got to, you know, you got to lighten it up. You got to roughage right? it out, right? Yeah, you got yeah. a little bit of roughage to clean yourself out. <laughs> and um, so, and it always gets there within twenty five minutes. And honestly, I have Domino's from everywhere, and. It, this store always makes the best pizza. And it's like, I feel very fortunate that it's five minutes away from my apartment. So, anyways, I order and I start watching uh, the, the new movie show. Too, no. no, no. The new, <laughs> the new show, um, uh, Winter Soldier, whatever. Oh, the uh, Falcon, with, with right? the Falcon, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Is it a show or a movie? It's, it's a, a show. show. Okay. It's a show. So it's got several parts. So I watched the first and the second part, and then I had realized through my stoneness that my pizza had yet to arrive. Oh. So I checked Bummer. my handy Domino's tracker. Great idea. The Domino's app? Right. Yeah, on the Domino's app, because I do have the app on my phone. Oh, I yeah. miss, I, they used to have like a little cartoon guy with a pizza paddle. I right. miss him. Yeah. Oh. And, and I noticed that you, I'm going to call him a Yorley. Yorley had baked, had prepped and baked my pizza, and then at this time he had started to deliver my pizza, but it had been an hour. Did okay? he eat your pizza? Yeah. <laughs> Did he eat my pizza? That was my first thought. So I'm all, like I'm starting I'm stoned still, and I'm just like, I really just want this fucking pizza, man. So I had a cookie prepared for after the pizza, so I'm just looking at this cookie like, should I eat the cookie? Like, no, it's bad. So <laughs> <laughs> So then I randomly walk into the middle of the street. Like, where the fuck is my pizza? So I check the tracker. Are you walking sudden, in the street? Yeah, I walk to the middle okay. of the street. I'm screaming, where's the pizza? No, I didn't. wasn't screaming. I was just like looking around like, where the fuck is my pizza? And then, so I I look at the app, and then the app says, your order has been completed. Oh, no. And I said, wait a second. That's the worst. Well, my pizza is not here. So my pizza, my order is not complete. So then I send Domino's a text like, hey, guys, 
There's a problem. Order's complete, but there's no pizza on premise. Zero pizza. And at that point, they say, we're very sorry for your pizza not on premise. Here's 60 Domino's points. And I wanted to tell them, you could take your Domino's points and shove them up your fucking ass because I really want a fucking pizza. So at that point, I got frustrated. I walked to Taco Bell. Oh, all right. I ordered a Crunchwrap. It's like literally across the street from my house. So I, okay. I, I ordered a Crunchwrap and a soft soft taco, right? And I was like, fuck it. This is just this is going to be the plan. This is the move. I'm good with Crunchwraps. That's also I, my favorite. I do enjoy Crunchwraps, yeah. I mean, when they do the Crunchwrap well, it is engineering genius, and I, I still thank whoever. R.I.P. Mexican the, pizza. Yeah. Oh, the Mexican pizza was good, right? So, so, I, um, so then I go and I, I set it up. I take another hit from my bowl, and I'm just sitting, and I'm like, you know, relaxed. And then, you know, I'm watching. Then I have already moved on to the next show. So I went into uh, NCIS because I okay. do enjoy a good season Which 15. One? Miami or what? No, the regular NCIS. Okay. Yeah. Season 15 of NCIS. And I have – and then I start I, set, I start to eat this. I eat the soft taco. I drink some of the pink lemonade. All of a sudden, my phone rings. Too late for my phone to ring. People know that work for me unless it's – Barring a fucking disaster. Do not call me after 11 and do not call me before 11 because I'm usually doing things that don't involve me wanting to talk to people from work. Yes. So I – my phone rings and it's a random number and I'm like, this – I don't want – whatever this is, I don't want to talk to them. They call me again and I'm just like, this is a problem. So all of a sudden there's a knock on my door. Right? So the door knocks and I walk outside and it's a Domino's kid. Kid couldn't be more than – 18 years old, sweaty, overweight, and he's just like, here's your order. I said, man, what's going on? It's been an hour and a half. The order was complete 30 minutes ago, and I wanted to be mad at this kid, but this kid looked so beaten by what had just happened to him, right? So I asked him, I said, Yorley, tell me what's happening. Talk to me. Talk to me about what's going on. So then he tells me, he said, listen, man, let me level with you. We're understaffed. I didn't know what to do. We're just, it's just us two guys on bikes. And then his homie, it's just him and homies and his homie on a bike, a Domino's bike. And they're sweating like hard. It's like they had just been in the Tour de France. Like it was just like hard sweat, shirt sweaty, pizza sweaty. And I'm like, what's happening? And he's like, we're understaffed. I don't know. I said, listen, are you the manager? He goes, no. I go, so you, you prepped my pie. You baked my pie. Then you put the pie on a bike. You and your buddy over there. Then delivered like 20-some-odd pies in the last, like, hour. He goes, yeah. I go, your manager has done you a disservice, sir. And I'm very, I feel very sorry for you. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to take the pie. I'm going to continue to give you the 30% tip that I gave you, and I'm sorry. But I'm going to address this with Domino's, and Domino's, if you are listening, I want you to know that on 27th, in between US1 and Coral Way, your managers are doing a disservice to those young kids because they are working very hard for you, and you are not doing the same for them. That's all I got here. I'm, I'm happy you got your pizza, though. I did get my pizza. But shout I had out, already eaten the crunch wrap, and I was, I was already dedicated to Taco Bell. You can't yeah. go from Taco Bell to pizza. At that point, it was or a mess. can you? Mexican pizza back in the I fold. Mean, yeah, I know, but that's a different Mexican pizza. It's a different experience. <laughs> sprinkle that shit it's on the Mexican pizza. Mexican and yeah, pizza, just, yeah. At that point, I had destroyed the Crunchwrap Supreme. I had dedicated to my pink lemonade. Did you eat the I, cookie? Of course I ate the okay, cookie. Okay, just checking. <laughs> of course I ate the cookie. The cookie was very good. That'll be part of my parting recommendations. The cookie. Very good. Yeah. 
Is there any ground that we didn't cover, Ike? <laughs> well, like personally, I don't order food for delivery for those reasons. I'd rather, yeah. I'd rather just make yeah. my own. Oh, or, let me ask you: all 82, yeah. 82 of your locations are they on Uber Eats? Yeah, we we like launched with Uber Eats oh. back in whatever back in the day. What do they charge you? Uh, too much. <laughs> they charge too much, and uh, at the end of the day, with those, like I can't believe that. They charge. I mean, I, I I don't know if you have any restaurants on there. We don't do any. No. And so the the they're the evil empire. The huge, we don't. We don't. The huge disconnect with them is they're saying uh-huh. that they're not making any money. They're charging the the customer extra. Yep. They're charging us, and they're losing money. Like, what what are they going to pull a bait and switch like in the future when <laughs> all when all of them yeah. get like cannibalized and now it's. $25 to get, like, one sandwich delivered? Because well, if they can't make money now, like, how are they going to do that? Forget about them, because I honestly can give three yeah. fucks about them. My thing is about us. Right. Okay, I care about us, the restaurant, right? The way I look at it is, and this is what people tell me when they're on the other side of the coin, and they're like, well, revenue is great through them. I say, okay. Yeah. So your revenue that you're taking, let's say you take 65 cents or 70 cents on the dollar of whatever they're charging you. And then at the same time, your uh, production needs to go up. So your food purchasing needs to go up, your labor needs to go up, and then your on-site guest experience goes down. down. Yep. So how, in that model, how does that really benefit us? At the end of the day, it only benefits them. You know, like, I look at it, and I understand, like... And it's not benefiting them. That's the problem, though. Right. They're not making money. Who knows? I mean, I would really like to understand more about why they lose money. Maybe they should learn how to run a business better. I have no idea. But at the same time, like, I look at it... Every concept is different, right? Conceptually, I think if you're telling me you're running a sandwich place and you're part of Uber Eats, like, sure. But then I wonder, like, do you charge 30% more because they're taking 30% yes. of your sales? You do. And then guest perception can change at that point. Because right. then someone that's never been to Ike's can say, fuck, man, their sandwich should be 10 bucks, but it's 13 bucks." Right. Right? So the guest perception can change. And then maybe they don't want to actually go to Ike's when they see an Ike's. So there's so many angles of it that I think... I would like to tell them to go fuck themselves, and I essentially do, but that's why I have such a problem with it. And it's like, I understand conceptually delivery, like, I made a conscious decision to go to Domino's because Domino's does their own delivery. That's why, like, I actually, like, I I was like, let me open up this app, right? This is another, a whole other fucking ball of wax, but I opened up the app of the Uber Eats app, right? I said, let me see what these losers are offering, right? So the losers are offering all the same shit that I could walk to because I could walk Taco Bell which right. is right across the street. Uh, I can go to Denny's and I can pick up the food. And then all these other plethora of things that to me, when I looked at them, these are all ghost kitchens, almost every right. single one. Not one of them was an actual kitchen. Not one of them was an actual restaurant. So am I going to further double down on the destruction of restaurants through the ghost kitchen and Uber Eats? No, I just went to fucking Domino's. And people could tell me, they could talk shit to me because I eat Domino's and pizza, whatever, but they deliver their own fucking shit. You know, they're not looking at Uber Eats to do it for them. And at the same time, they're not adopting the destructive nature of what a ghost kitchen is and their entire, like, thing. So, I mean, because you can look at the app and be like, Billy's Wings and Fries. Like, you know, that's not a real fucking place. You know, like, fucking Tata's Arepas. Like, listen, man. Like, I know the places to get Arepas in in Miami. Like, none none of them are called Tata's. Right. And then also you can go and it's like, where is this located? You look at it, it's like in the middle of like a, a fucking warehouse district. Like, listen, motherfucker, I know you're not yeah. fooling me. But at the same time, a lot of people don't do the kind of research that we do. So 
This is, at the end of the day, what went into my decision to order Domino's pizza with ah. And I will continue to order with ah. because they've You're only... No, Yorley. Let's edit his name out. I'm sorry. Oh, was that really his name? That was really we'll, his name. Well, yeah, we'll cut it out. Yeah, we'll cut that. I thought you were um, getting way more creative than that. No, that was, that was actually his name. He was such a nice kid, and I felt so bad for him. I was like, I want you to keep the 30% tip. I'm sorry I was mad. I feel bad for you. Come work for me. That's basically yeah. what I told him. I mean, I feel like yeah. we should bleep all of them out because it's not much of a... I thought his name You was think like, it was different? I thought his name was like Tony or something. You're, you're making ah. Yorley to protect his identity? Yeah, it's not... I mean, that's a totally different name. <laughs> I'd like to point out to the audio... Contingent. Yes, hey, his name Ike is not was, that. That Ike was just blowing kisses at his Instagram live. Were you? Audience. Were you blowing kisses? How many I was. There's, there's just three right now. Oh yeah. But they're. But they're the special. The, the comment says attend. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna read it. <laughs> you can. You can read it though no, if you want worry. to. Okay. Yeah. Ike Finn, you hashtag are crushing Hashtag international it. sex symbol. Hashtag. Yeah. That Gre- is my official Greco Roman wrestler. Wrestler herd. Got yes. it. Yes. Got it. If you were selling sandwiches, you'd have the same, I think. Yeah. I, Man, it's a lot here. Um, yeah, I bet. So I, I wouldn't know. Yeah. I, I um, Back to that, this is why I make a conscious decision to order from Domino's and not from Uber Eats, and I will continue to do that, and I will continue yeah. to order from the places that deliver their own shit. But personally, in my life, I've ordered less than this many times from Uber or DoorDash or whatever, because I... For me, it's like I'd rather eat at the place across the street, even if it's less than what I want, than than helping to you know propagate this this uh, the way that it is. Because while we're on it, we're only on it because they promised a whole bunch of stuff in the beginning, and our rate was itty bitty. And then over time, they're like, yeah. But I mean, we're doing significant numbers on there. So would you ever think? And like, this is something I've thought about, and I. I don't know if it would actually work. If we if we could somehow just band together and have a national fuck Uber Eats week and then just all locations stop using Uber Eats for a week, and what would happen? Like, how could they react to that? And I've yeah. seen that because there is power in numbers, right? And the way I look at it is, I don't, I mean, I don't know your business model. For me, it doesn't change anything for me. So I'm totally talking shit because I'm not going to stop anything because I don't right. use them. But at the same time, for all the other people, would your would your I mean you charge thirty percent more, but would your labor go down? Would your costs go down? Would it be something that would be, you know, because it's only one thing if I stand on 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 the top of the hill alone, be like, hey, those guys are a bunch of fucking assholes, but no one else is standing with well, me. I think which everybody I know knows that, that because it happens not... all the time. It just happened. It happens all the time. Those guys, the machine is an asshole, but no one wants to say that the machine is an asshole, and I'm stuck there alone. I think, unfortunately, the the drawback there is it's not Uber Eats' fault or DoorDash's fault. It's the person that's willing to pay 25 bucks and then tell you that your business – like, I don't care if your business suffers because of it. And right. Yeah, I know it's not you specifically because you don't do it. But the person that's like, oh, I could go to Ike's and get a sandwich for 12 bucks and, and look at somebody and tip them versus I'm going to spend double – I remember I, I ordered something because I was in the middle of nowhere and I was not in the position to be able to, to drive. Right. And so I ordered some food and I was like, wait, 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 75 bucks? I literally canceled the order. I was like, I'm only ordering three sandwiches. Not for Mike's. And yeah, I was like, not 70, for Mike's. Yeah. Ike's is not that expensive. Yeah, everyone. $75? I'm like, nah, forget it. I'm just going to eat the chips and salsa that I had in the fridge instead. Right. And 
but somebody's paying that. Otherwise, they wouldn't be charging that. Yeah. So it's it's one of those, and and as we're uh, people have been used to being at home for a year now, it's going to change a lot of. Uh, you're gonna have to change people's habits. Like, mm-hmm. The good thing about places like here is. You know, I said I want to bring like dates here. I want to yeah. hang out here and have a good time with my friends here. That you can't do off of Uber Eats and DoorDash. So yeah, it's going to be the stuff that uh, will change for or not change. Yeah, for in like I said, conceptually for every place it's different. You know, for us, part of dining at Ariet or Nave or Chugs or you know, and Chugs may very well be on one of those loser sites. I have no idea. I haven't really dove deep in my brain on that, but. Um, like, part of dining here and understanding the restaurant is part of dining here. You know, it's part of the thing. Like you can't, you can't box that experience into a, a paper bag and a box and deliver that. You know, the music, the feel, the vibe, the lighting, the food being hot, a la minute. We make it a point. We cook everything a la minute. Like, we're not going to fuck. I mean, you're getting a fucking piece of fish 30 minutes later. You're going to be mad about it. Like, it, yeah, right. it's not going to be good. You know, it's not going to be good. So, I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to continue to fight that fight because I think they're fucking trash anyways. Yeah. So. So there. Yeah, that's where we're at. Uh, and then, you know, that Uber Eats rep that reached out to you whenever you want to come on here and you want to talk about your things, man. I'm more than welcome yeah. to talk to you in person and not get edited at all, ever. Uh, about the things that we want to talk about. Right. Yeah. Nick, we leave it in your hands once again. Yes. So we'll we'll start to do our, our wind-down thing. Um, a new the, contest idea, win a date with Ike. Uh, okay. Win a date Got with it. Ike. Well, I mean, when uh, when Otto was on here, he was, uh, which we just published that episode, uh, he was giving away sandwiches. If you want to do a, a, a Pancom podcast, win a date with Ike Raffle here. Oh, oh no, that's what they're saying. I don't, I don't, you know. Yeah, he's like, no, we're not <laughs> okay. giving away sandwiches or a date. Get out of here. I mean, if somebody wants to take me out on a date, it depends on the restaurant. You hey. take me here, I'll, I'll, I'll eat with you for sure. Let me know. They're paying yeah. the tab. I know, I, I know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you might have people there who pay the tab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, we always wrap up the show with. Shameless plugs, but before shameless plugs, Ooh. our parting recommendations. So, everybody recommends however many things you want, as long as they're not yours. It could be a TV show, a book, a dish. Oh, recommendations. Anything at all. Uh, you can go first, if you'd like, or you can pass it off to Mike uh, and give yourself rec- a little time. Recommendations. I'm going to start making a list of recommendations. But it can be absolutely anything. Uh, um, parting recommendations. So... I guess for parting recommendations, I have uh, three things. Okay. So it took me like a full five days to watch the movie because it was four hours and five minutes long, but it was good, which was Justice League. Um, and I, I'm really, I'm a huge comic book dork from like when I was a kid, and Batman obviously was my thing. Batman and Spawn were actually Spawn. My yes, yeah, I have Spawn. like 25 issues at number me too. one. Yeah, me too. I have one. Still I have, have one through 12, I believe. All right. Um, and I had this, like, oh, man, Spawn was the best. Yeah, obviously, you've seen the HBO series, like the... No, I haven't. The, Spawn? Oh, man. No. It's, so, it's old, but it's like a graphic cartoon or whatever that they used to have on HBO, and they have it on HBO the whole seat. I think it's only like three seasons, but it's all on HBO Max right now. So, anyways, I recommend that if you want to watch it. There you go. Um, Justice League was four hours and five minutes long. I, I, Some people said this. 
especially Danny Surfer, which I love to disagree with Danny Surfer, former Pinecone Podcast guest, uh, that Justice League was better than Avengers Endgame and, and Infinity War. And Infinity War, and I have to agree with him. Uh, it was better than both. Oh. That doesn't necessarily mean that I think any of the three were, like, great, but I definitely think Justice League was good, worth a watch. I mean, it took me five days to watch it because I watched it at the end of the night and I fell asleep on the couch every single time, but it was that's only out of exhaustion, not because it was tired. Like, it was bad. Um, Ichimi, a restaurant in Coral Gables. Um, I, you know, there's a chain restaurant, which I won't recommend because they don't pay me to recommend it. Uh in the Gables that I enjoy a certain salad that they have, but they closed at 9, which I thought was weird. So I was walking away, and I saw this place, and it's funny, long story short, the restaurant that was there previously, I did a consulting job for that restaurant, and I was there previously before it closed. So I knew, like, we're all, like, the whole kitchen set up and everything, and I looked at it, it was, like, very weird. But the ramen was very good, surprisingly. I was shocked and uh, because I didn't expect much, and I thought it was delicious. Service was cordial um nice kids they seem like all college kids but like good the food was good and i would go back my last recommendation is to a uh a instagram baker um that delivers locally here in miami and i don't usually co-sign a ton of these things but her pastries are very good her instagram handles i need more uh and need is spelled with a k and everything I've had from her has been very, very delicious. And uh, her babka, I mean, rum cake, cookies, all. And I'm like a chocolate chip cookie fiend. Uh, I think the chocolate chip cookie is the supreme cookie. And it was, uh, they were all very good. So those are my three parting recommendations. Um, Danny Surfer, I shockingly agree with you. Ooh, shockingly. Shockingly. Yeah. You normally don't agree? Uh, no, nah, Danny's my buddy. I love him. I just like to bust his balls. So I, you were prepping some recommendations? Yeah, I got some stuff. What do you got? Uh, so, well, other than the the restaurants I already mentioned out here, um, other other places. So I'm blessed that I get to travel the, the United States and eat. Uh, I'll say uh, my first recommendation will go to the city of Kiev, Ukraine. I love the food there. I wow. love the people there. I would go back there, and the exchange rate was amazing. Uh, we, I think we have a couple of listeners there. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. just, just the city, yes, uh, itself. Okay. Uh, something closer <laughs> in uh, Venice Beach, California, uh, which I'm there often. I'll be there in two weeks. I love well, the Cafe Gratitude folks. They started in San Francisco, and they've got locations in Kansas City and L.A., Um, A bunch of other places. That's for my vegan friends out there, but also they, from a business, um, like experience standpoint, if that, if their culture was brought into any other kind of business, especially the restaurant business, you'll be successful. So props to them. I also love the Rose Cafe, also in Venice. Um, The pastries, yeah, you you got me on that, like you're talking about cookies and stuff. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. uh, Book wise, Mm. I really. Uh, a book that changed my life is a book called Transurfing in 78 Days. It's by an author named Vadim Zeland, uh, Z-E-L-A-N-D. He's got three books. Uh, actually, probably I'll, I'll say Tufti the Priestess, which is also a book by the same author. That book is one of my favorite books of all time. Um, also on the book recommendation, I love The Values Factor by Dr. John Demartini. 
Mm. Uh, love that author. See what else I got written down here. I got oh TV shows. Finished watching Californication pretty recently. I know like ten or twelve years late. Uh, yeah, but I that's en- fine. <laughs> I enjoy David Duchovny in that. And uh, Mike's over here watching NCIS. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, but I watch random seasons at all yeah. time. It's like season, so I mean, you know I've watched it a million times. I, I finished watching that and I enjoyed it. Uh, it also takes place in Venice, which is probably why I liked it a little bit. In San Francisco, I love this little spot called Saucy Asian. Oh, I like it's uh, it, it is a very I love sauces, so yeah. it, it is that. I love that place. Shout out them and, and Kitchen Story, which is a great brunch place. Go there for brunch. Highly recommend it if you're in San Francisco. Um, the bone marrow butter oyster is here. Like, I'm with this recommendation. Like, I love that. I, I will, recommend them also. <laughs> he, he, you know, I'll recommend them since you aren't. I, I could eat 24 of those. Like I could have eaten 24 of them tonight. Uh, and uh, I think what else? Hotdateforhire.com. No, it's not. It's not a thing anymore. <laughs> bringing it back. Yeah, 2021. Back. 117 restaurants and hot date. For and exactly. Hot date for Build your empire. Uh, you can. You know, I don't sell dates with me anymore, but we can win one. You know, maybe we, we go to a, a Dolphins out. game, watch yeah. Tua, or you know, watch Tampa. I don't. I don't know what we could do. No, something watch for Tua. Sure. We don't care about Tampa no. here. <laughs> yeah. Tom's. Tom's Tom, Tom, you know. Tom is one. Tom Brady does have a sandwich named after him. Oh man. So, uh, what's in the I Tom know. Brady? It is has a vegan sandwich, or it can be made vegan, but it's a vegan, vegan chicken, a garlic and herb sauce, mushrooms, avocado, cheese. It's like an ultimate vegan vegetarian sandwich. Sounds like Tom yeah. Brady. <laughs> you know, it, it's got the avocado on there, obviously, since you're drinking avocado tequila and all that. Yeah, good stuff. So I'll keep. Uh, I'm just un, in very rare form for me. I only have one recommendation. Oh. Wow. After we did our interview with uh, Kathy Manning and Tung Nguyen, um, I finished the book, uh, Mango and Peppercorns. And so even though there was uh, an implicit, I recommend this based on how we were talking about it in that podcast, uh, I would recommend for anybody who hasn't heard it, uh, Kathy and Tung um, were pioneering restaurateurs. They had a, a sort of a historic Vietnamese restaurant here in Miami that serve to like really popularize those flavors here um and the book is a memoir that sort of switches between the two of their voices and the voice of um uh, of tung's daughter uh the story in a nutshell i don't know whether you had heard of these people before because their restaurant is now closed uh but hai vong is basically the product of tung uh is a refugee at the time of the vietnam war kathy is here in miami and uh volunteers her home to resettle refugees they become close, and neither of them having ever worked in a restaurant before, unless you count Tung's, like, selling soup in a market in Vietnam, open this restaurant, and it becomes, like, the thing. Yeah. In, not just in Vietnamese food, but it was, like, the hot ticket anywhere yep. in Miami. Um, so that memoir is is fascinating. Uh, unfortunately, I've never eaten there. I'd only ever heard stories about it. Um, but uh, I think some of the most interesting stuff was, you know, uh, about... And I wonder whether people were aware of all this when they were eating it because Vietnamese food wasn't quite a thing in Miami at the time. But there's so much about it that was just not Vietnamese uh, that people can relate to uh, in, in that sort of like fusion of cultures sense, right? So like they were very well known for their kimchi, uh, which is a very Korean thing. And it turns out that that's because uh, Tung had, had 
learned to make kimchi by like reverse engineering it when the South Koreans were dropping kimchi as humanitarian aid during the war on her village. Wow. So she brings that here. It, it, all kinds of stories like that. It's just like at every turn, there's some interesting thing. So mango and peppercorns, uh, go and read that. Uh, I'll keep recommending that. And then hopefully, uh, not, it's not why I'm recommending it, but I'm also Chronicle Books. If you'd like to send us your money, that's ads at DaveMag.com. Chronicle Books. If you want to publish, yeah. our, if you want to publish our, if you book, want to publish also, our book, we've been working on a book for a total yeah. of ten days. Working is a generous way to put it. It is whatever. Yes. We've had stuff going on. No, yeah, whatever. Uh, there will be a book <laughs> one day, someday, someday <laughs> soon. Uh, and now, shameless plugs. Ike, tell everybody where they can find you and the restaurants and all the things you want to plug yourself with here. Cool. So, if you want to follow my adventures, the best way is at Ike Shahada. It's I K E S H E H A D E H. That's on everything. I uh, do Clubhouse Talks. You should check those out. I'm, a, I'm an Android person, so no, I haven't are you? gotten yeah. into Clubhouse. I, I, I got a, I, as you see, I got two phones. I got, I got uh, my iPhone just so I could do some talks. So, And that's Aisha, at Aisha Hot on everything. Cl- uh, Clubhouse, Snapchat. Follow me on Snapchat. If you don't follow me on Snapchat, you will see that's like the this kind of conversation, but, but worse. So follow at your own risk. That'll be like I'm at, I'm invited to uh to a party at AVN and that stuff will get end up on there where it wouldn't end up on my Instagram. Heard. Uh, ex- yes. So I-, I would say I'm a more fun follow on that. But as far as Ike's goes, the location here is at one eight seven one nine Biscayne Boulevard in Aventura. I can't wait to go. Go there, eat there, get that place pa- packing, and then I'll open up another twenty five in. Florida. So that one needs to get get popping first. Uh, if you want to find out news on the locations, it's loveandsandwiches.com, all one word, loveandsandwiches.com. Or you can just follow Ike's on Instagram. It's Ike's Sandwiches. Uh, and we do some giveaways there, too. Uh, we did do a win a date with Ike. Actually, we, we went to a 49er playoff game two years ago. There you go. Nice. Uh, the NFC Championship game. got to make it back to the playoffs. Yeah, I know. Well, we'll see what they do with the quarterback now. Um, overall, we just gave yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, well, you, well, thank yeah, you well, for we'll all the plethora of picks. I appreciate exactly. it. Oh, Philip Bennett, I know you're listening. Thank you for the picks, sir. <laughs> he hated that trade so much. <laughs> and yeah, and they they lucked out because they got uh, end up getting Tua dropped to them because of uh, being injured or whatever uh, I know, was I know. last year. I think yeah. Tua's going to be yeah. good, man. I'm uh, I'm a Tua guy. I and, wanted Tua real bad, so. and and he was there at five, so that worked out. Yeah, I'm a. a this is. I don't want to talk football because we're going to go for another three hours. <laughs> but, like, you know, I, I feel confident in what's happening right now, which I has not happened that. in 20 years. And the, the coach had him play in this year, so. Well, yeah, and, and Chris Greer has been great in the front office. Brian Flores has been great so far. But, I've seen, you know, we've seen this, and then it's just dropped off. I, just, I want to, like, you know, we talk I, – I talk about this on, on the Twitter all the time with Omar Kelly. Like, I just don't want to believe yet. I'm not a believer yet, and he tells me I need to I need to give it up. But I just can't yet. I can't. I don't know. Hey, it, the world shows up how you want it to. Oh, so you, man, so you, I know. So you could be, know. How, you could be like Listen, that, too. Hopefully it wins. gives you what you need when yeah. you need it. What I need is a Dolphin Super Bowl, for fuck's sake. God damn it, I've been alive for 35 years. I just oh, man, one. still. They, they had that yeah. undefeated season, though. Oh, like 15 years <laughs> before I was born, man. Everyone keeps saying that. I was like, I was not even a thought at that time. Oh, uh, I, I'm blessed. I uh, grew up in uh, the Niners were winning Super Bowls. Yeah. yeah. You saw like glory days of not only the Niners, but football. That was like a beautiful time for football, period. Yeah. It was good times. 
Mike well, shameless plug. Great. You got shameless plug. All the things. All we'll, the things. Can we play? We'll put we'll the thing in there again. Yeah, now. we got an all the things song. Now it's perfect. All the things. I still got to recommend all my shit. I mean, we've, yeah, we've done this 80 times already. Guys, whatever. Yeah, all the things. All the things. No, <laughs> who knows? Maybe people, are, maybe people are coming here for the first time. But you know what? Fuck you. All the things. All the things. At this point, just all the things. All the things. We, we don't even need the song anymore. You're over here that singing was, it. Was, it, was, it was. It was actually. It incredible. made me chuckle at a time I needed a chuckle. It was there good. You go. Uh, you can Shameless find Pankong Podcast at Pankong Podcast on all the social media things. It's a podcast sandwich, dadmag.com slash Pankong Podcast. If you want to support what we're doing around here, patreon.com slash dadmag, D A D E M A G. You might get a mug. If you're in there, uh, at, I believe there will be things on social media about like how much time you have left to enter into a drawing for an item from uh, Pincho. As uh, oh, yeah. as Otto mentioned in the, the last time we recorded, and if you can't get to you through social media, just send you a letter, and just send me a yes. letter. Yeah, yeah. that, uh, that happened. Check. Many thanks to that. I don't, I don't want to name the no, person. Don't name names. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, thank you. It was made me believe. Thank you for the she, knows, she knows who she is. Yeah. Um. So if you're a Patreon person, uh, I'm going to recommend to Mike. I think this is a good time for like a strictly sandwich lightning round, like a this or that. Oh. Lightning round. Thanks, Thanks, Ike. Ike. If you're hearing me on this point, the Patreon lightning round. Lightning round coming right up for the people that pay for it. Give us all your money, and we're out.